last week we began to look at this new series called Stranger Things, and along those lines, we were talking about the things of the Holy Spirit and how at times in Scripture, it does seem a little strange when the moving of the Spirit of God takes place. And if you missed last Sunday, we just kind of went back through Scripture and just looked at the idea that really, to be honest, our Christian Hebraic faith is at its base at times a little strange. I mean, just to be honest, there's just a little bit of things. It's like, okay, I mean, we serve a risen, shout risen. People don't do that. We serve a risen Savior, amen? And so, yeah, there's some things in Scripture that we look at that's a little strange. Why would it ever be anything different, amen? Now, obviously, pressing into things for strange sake is not what we desire either, amen? You can be extremely, extremely spiritual, and you don't have to be spooky. Shout somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the thing I was really trying to get at last week, if you weren't here, was just the idea that there's things in life that you will not experience if you don't go down certain paths. Whether that's a vista, a mountain, whether that's a beautiful beach, if you go down certain paths, those things don't unfold to you. And there's some things supernaturally and spiritually that if you don't go down the path of the Holy Spirit, all right, you'll miss it. And things that God has for you, if you don't go down the path of the Spirit, you will miss seeing and you won't experience all that God has. And I don't want to miss one thing that God wants me to experience, Amen. And here's more important, I'm your pastor. I don't want you to miss not one thing that God wants you to experience just because we may look at Scripture and go, that's a little strange. So we'll just relegate that to the strange churches. And we'll stay away from those churches, you know. And we'll just come over here and have our nice little group that we can keep everything nice and controlled and nice and neat and et cetera. You know, it's like, no, we need to be able to realize that we can find order. And we need to be able to realize that we can find expression with what God has for us. Just like in Scripture, we can find that for us today and begin to be able to move in the things of the Spirit and see God do something significant and powerful in our house. Amen? And when it comes down to it, if you're hungry, I believe this, hungry for a deeper walk with Jesus, that walk can't fail to go down the path of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, his whole purpose is to point back to Jesus. And what's so beautiful about that is Jesus, he said it was expedient that I go. If I don't go, the Holy Spirit will not be sent to you. The Holy Spirit is every bit God, his Father, and his Son. It just sometimes seems a little mystical when you think of the things of the Spirit. You know, you think of Father, and you think of like that, that old man with the beard sitting on a throne, right? You think of Son, and you can almost imagine that, that, that dark Galilean skin just walking in sandals and a beard and just... A heart that is just open and eyes that are kind and, and strong, though, and fierce and saying, Lazarus, come forth. I mean, you can get pictures of Jesus in your mind. But when it comes to the Spirit, sometimes it almost seems as if it's an entity, rather a, a, a mystical kind of force. You know? And that's not, no, he is the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Third part of the Trinity. Just as important, you know? God all by himself. And what's amazing about it is Jesus leaves and says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so he can be with you. And then <coughs> we looked last week, though he said that when that happens, those who believe, they'll do the works I do. But then he said, and because of the Holy Spirit, you'll do even greater works than I do. Why? Because it's not just Jesus alone 
Because when he was in the earth, he was limited. I know that's scary and crazy to think about it, but he chose to be limited in the earth. But when he went to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to live in you so that you can be like Jesus and 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 you can be like Jesus. And, like Jesus and, and do I mean divine? No. But do I mean empowered? Yes. You can be like a little God? No. I know Amy thinks I am. No. Not a little God by no means. But man, you can have a little bit of God's power in you. You can have all of God's power in you. Isn't that good? And because of that, the church of Jesus Christ throughout the earth can represent his power wherever we go. Amen? But here's the thing. If we don't have understanding of it, and if we're afraid of it just because it's strange, we'll never try to move in it. Amen? And so today I want to kind of demystify that a little bit. And for some in the room, you may say, I, I really don't agree with this, Pastor. And, and I'm going to show some scripture here in a little bit where, where people who do not believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still evident today. I'm going to show you the scripture where they get that so we can understand kind of both sides. Amen. But when it comes down to it, if that is you, I will say it again. You can either upgrade your theology or you can downgrade your experience. And I don't know about you all. I, I want everything God has. Amen. How many wants all that God has? And here's the thing about it. It's not just for us. The gifts of the Spirit, how selfish. It's not just for us. The gifts of the Spirit is for other people. Yet God uses it in and through us, but it's to be able to be a ministering vessel. And I tell you often, you know, today we'll have, you know, 400 and some ministers here at Momentum Church. You know, because I'm not the only pastor. I'm not the only minister here. Y'all are ministers. And I want you ministering in power. Amen. And in understanding and in this giftings that God has. And so there are some things, though, you won't experience unless you go down that path. But some of those things at times just might seem a little strange. First thing I want you to understand is this. Just because something in Scripture is strange, it doesn't mean it should be ignored nor abused. Because we've seen that. In my tribe, on this side of that aisle, if you push the pendulum clear over here, you know, at times there's been a lot of abuse when it comes to spiritual giftings. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Ah, that's abuse. Amen? That would be a works, you know? And we're not saved by works, so no one can boast. And frankly, I've seen some tongue talkers that needed to get saved. It's like, man, yeah, you talk in tongues. I wish you would shut up in tongues. I don't know. It's like ugly. I mean, their spirit's ugly. You know what I mean? I don't know how in the world that happens, but it does. It's just kind of weird. And I've seen it, and you've seen it before. And so if we're going to be, um, we're going to be nice Pentecostals. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we're going to be sweet charismatics. <laughs> we're going to be loving, loving people who move in the gifts without all the, yeah, okay, okay I got to keep going. So turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to walk through a ton of scripture today, all right? A ton of scripture. And this is what it says. This was Paul, the church of Corinth, was a mess, all right? And Paul could have came in and just said, you know what? You guys are such a mess. I'm taking the toys away. I'm taking the gifts away. You know, I'm just taking everything away. But he didn't. He looked at a bunch of messed up people, and he's like, look, I'm going to help you understand the gifts. I'm going to help you regulate the gifts. I'm going to help you learn what it looks like to move in the gifts because I'm not here to find perfect people. I'm here to find willing people. And God wants to find you willing to be submitted to him and his leadership and to grow and develop. And so Paul doesn't take the track away. He just puts the train back on the track for this group in Corinth. And it says in verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I'm going to stop there. This idea of spiritual gifts, it's the word charismata. 
charismata, charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, that word in the Greek just means grace. All right, y'all know what grace is, unmerited favor. It means it's not something that you can do something good enough to get. It's just grace, amen? And you guys know what a gift is, right? A gift is something that you didn't earn, somebody just gave it to you. So this is kind of like a gift gift. This is like a grace gift. This is charismata is basically the gifts of the Spirit that come because of his grace, and they're in a special empowerment so that we can move in supernatural ability beyond ourselves so that we can do as Jesus would have us to do when it comes to ministering and understanding and going through life. Isn't that awesome? But it's charismata, that's those grace gifts. Grace gifts, something very good given to someone who is undeserving. That's what a grace gift is. And listen, it's not because you are special. All right? Can you hear this? It's because Jesus is special. It's not because you're good, it's because he's good. It's not because you have all this ability, it's because he has all that ability. And he wants to minister to you. And through you. And so he comes with his grace and he pours this out. And Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, that's the old King James. In this translation, it says uninformed. I like the word ignorant. That's pretty good. (laughs) Heard the story of a young girl and she was praying, should I marry this young man or not? Should I marry this young man or not? And she got a word from the Lord and she went to him and he's like, are you going to marry me? And she said, nope, I got a word. I will not have you ignorant, brother. That's funny. I'll take a second. I'll let that set on you. I will not have you ignorant, brother. Okay. So, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning these spiritual gifts. Watch. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one says Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Okay, so just because you move in the gift of wisdom and somebody else moves in the gift of discernment, you can't think that, well, comparatively speaking, I have it all figured out. I'm a prophet. I move in the prophetic gift. Well, here it says there's a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, okay, and it's the Holy Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Not so that you look more holy than other people. Not so that you come across as, whoa, they're so spiritual. One of the most amazing things I ever saw as a young man was a a guy that had come back from Africa. And he was a missionary. Okay, let me just, just go like this for a second. And he came to my dad's tent revival, and during worship, he begins to pray in tongues very loudly, very boisterously while worship's going on to the point where you can hear him well above everything. And worship's going on, and then they, they, they pause the service. They go into, like, the offering time. And he's still over here praying in tongues, standing up, praying in tongues. And the Lord gave my dad the interpretation of what he was saying, and it was a demonic tongue. It wasn't something angelic. It wasn't something of God. It was demonic. I guess that is an angel, but just a fallen angel, right? And long story short, they brought the guy out back, and, um, and dad went back and said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to stay right here. And that dude was frozen right there, you know? And when service was over, I was about 13, 14, I'm watching this. And when service was over, they went out and began to pray. And the man was full of devils. He was demon-possessed. They cast demons out. His whole ministry was a ruse. It wasn't missions. He would go to Africa, basically, on a ruse. And back then, it was hard to catch people in this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Now, with Internet, it's easier to find, you know, truth on folk. 
And But this guy would basically go there and just enjoy the young girls and enjoy the money and everything he would raise. And it was ridiculous. It was a ruse. And um, long story short, cast the demons out of that guy. But I can remember guys coming up to my dad before the service going, oh, brother, I'm not going to say his name. I'll say brother Johnny. Hopefully Johnny's in here. But brother Johnny's coming. Brother Johnny. Oh, he's so spiritual. He's so this. He's so that. He's so, he's so, he's so, he's so. No, he was full of the devil and was a deceiver the whole time. And God delivered him that day. Amen. But those tongues, that stuff was coming out of him, but it wasn't God. He was being ugly. Okay, so, so I'm not sure how I got off on that. That wasn't in the notes. <laughs> oh, I see. For the common good. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It wasn't for the good of the body. He was moving in some fake gift that was for his own glory and his own benefit. And, and it wasn't of God at all. Amen? How many scared now? Okay. When it comes to the demonic, we're going to talk about that in two weeks. All right? And I told you last week, it's like, it's going to be awesome. No, it's not going to be awesome. It's going to be hard. We're going to deal with it. Amen? Because you can't press into the Spirit without thinking the enemy won't press back. You know, and so we're going to look at that in two, two weeks from now. But let's go on. Here's the gifts. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. I'm going to put this up on the screen. When it comes to these nine gifts of the Spirit, there's kind of three breakdowns. There's knowing gifts, there's speaking gifts, and there's doing gifts. Gifts. I can't remember the order I put them up in. Yeah, that's what I did. And so, or something like that. So when it comes down to it, you have knowing gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is that supernatural empowerment for God to have a specific piece of understanding, a specific piece of information that's not your own. You're praying and all of a sudden something rises up on the inside of you, you know. And, and, and there's a boldness that can come upon you as you continue to move in the things of the Spirit where you start to hear that and you start to get confident with it. And, you know, I feel like maybe the Lord's telling me this to say to you. And you say it, and it bears witness with them, and they realize God knows what's going on. And if God will reveal it, he will heal it, you know, so often. And so how many's ever had that experience before where you had a word of knowledge? Okay, some, some, some. Just something rose up like that. Word of wisdom is the supernatural ability to apply that knowledge or to have understanding for a situation or to see the, the parameters of a situation. And it's not your wisdom, it's supernatural wisdom. For me, this happens often in counseling. I wasn't trained as a counselor. I was trained as a pastor. But often in counseling, a gift of wisdom will come upon me, and I'll just see the fix. I'll see the picture. And there's times, and if you've been in counseling sessions with me, you'll know this. There's times I'll say, hold on a second. Everything I just said, can I write that down? <laughs> because I'm going to use that for somebody else someday too, you know. It's just good stuff. But it wasn't me. It just come up out of that gift of the Spirit. Does that make sense? Okay, it's a word of wisdom. And then the other is discerning of spirits. And so with discerning of spirits, it's supernatural knowledge of understanding the spirit behind a matter. And that can be a holy type spirit, something angelic. That could be something supernatural that God is doing where you recognize God is in this. It could be something spirits. that could be something demonic. Also, guess what? Man has a character. Man has a spirit. And so when it comes to discerning the spirit of man, that man's spirit could be being led by the demonic or it could be being led by the, the holy. Okay? So it's an understanding of that. Yes, many of you are going, I wouldn't have been married those first three times had I known that. You know? But it gives you a discernment. And I really believe that discernment of spirits is a wonderful gifting to ask the Lord, just help me, God, in my business. I think businessmen ought to be the most discerned men. They ought to be able to move in the discernment, gift of discernment. Lord, I want to please you with my finances. 
And so help me have discernment when I'm dealing with contracts and people and situations, okay? And then the next one, when it comes down to, is our speaking gifts. Various kinds of tongues. We're going to talk about that today just because that's one that people are kind of like, hmm, I don't know if I understand that or if I, I agree with that. So we'll look at tongues, but there's various kinds of tongues. And here in a moment, I'm going to teach on three purposes for the use of tongues that we find in Scripture. Then there's an interpretation of tongues. Again, I'll cover that when I, when I preach on this in a few minutes. And then finally, prophecy. What is prophecy? There is foretelling and forthtelling. Forth, foretelling is kind of the Old Testament. You see prophets saying, and this is going to happen. It's a foretelling. You don't see that much in the New Testament. In the New Testament, the prophetic word is more of a forthtelling, a timely word from God right then. And it just, it just breaks into the moment, and it just, you just know, ooh, God just spoke. Okay, that's, that's more prophetic in the New Testament. And there's times when you're preaching. And it'll switch, and ooh, that went prophetic. There was something there that just had an unction to it that wasn't the pastor's, and you just know it, you know. There's times in prayer, God will move that into the prophetic to where it's a timely word from God. It's just something that is his word speaking forth in that moment to do something incredible, amen? Not something you're prepared for. It's something spontaneous, an endowment of power to speak his word in a timely, timely fashion. Then when it comes to, to doing gifts, you have the gift of faith. Gift of faith often, often rises up before the gift of healing. You're praying with somebody, you just, oh, you're full of doubt, and you're praying, God, I just don't know. And then all of a sudden, the confidence starts to come on you, and you're like, Oh, I know. I know that I know. And it's not my faith. God pours a gift of faith upon you that in that moment you can believe him for a miracle. In that moment you can believe God is going to do something. Or it can be a gift of faith that brings perseverance to you. And so you're going through something. All of a sudden, just a rising up within you of an ability to go, I'm holding fast. I know I have confidence in God. Two hours ago I didn't, but something happened. What happened? The gift of faith started being poured out. Amen? Then the gift of healings, that's plural. Why? Because there's so many different sicknesses. And so gifts of healings, and when it comes down to it, I don't need to explain it. How many knows what healing is? You sick, you ain't sick no more. That's healing. All right. I like that. Working of miracles. The working of miracles, you know, different times throughout history, people have had different insane things happen that was just a working of a miracle, you know. Uh, again, I can remember, I have a lot of stories with my dad, but I can remember my dad having his Bible open in a church service. And this was just weird. I'm just being honest. This is strange. His Bible. He still has his Bible today. And in the middle of that church service, he saw something hit his Bible. And he looked down. And it looked like blood, like red, like blood. And he looked at the scripture, and it was a word that he needed right then. And when that, whatever that was, that dripped on his Bible from wherever it came from, when it dried, it dried brown. I mean, it, it, to this day, if you take his Bible and you look at that spot, it looks just like an old, like something bled on there, you know? And it was a word, I can't remember what the scripture was, but it was a word that he needed. That's weird, Ross. Yeah, but if it happened to you, you'd be like, whoa, that's awesome. Yeah, it's strange. It was a working of a miracle. You know, I don't know exactly how that happened, what, why that happened, but the Spirit of God in that moment wanted to catch Dad's attention, and, and boom, caught Dad's attention, you know. So working of a miracle. So those are kind of the three things. And here's the thing. Do I need to understand all of these deeply to be able to move in them? No. I'm not saying don't learn about them. You should. We should, okay? But I'm not saying you have to learn everything about these to move. No, no. You need to press into your relationship with Jesus, is what you need to do. And when you lean into the person of the Holy Spirit, and as you go deeper into the relationship and the walk you have with Jesus, guess what? These things manifest. Why? Because they're his gifts. 
They're not yours. It's his gifts and his distribution of those gifts. So if I'm responsible for leaning in, God, I'm willing to be used by you however you desire. Man, he will bring forth those gifts as he distributes those gifts, amen? As he pours those things out. Watch what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And I, I used to say this when I was younger, and I, I still believe this. How many gifts of the spirit do you have, Ross? I have nine gifts of the spirit. Amen. I don't. You know why I say that? Because I have the Holy Spirit. I have the gift of the Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit, and if I have the Holy Spirit and they're his gifts, I got all nine gifts of the Spirit. And do I move in all nine gifts? No. But there's times, yeah, but I don't get all worked up with it, you know? I would say the only gift that probably is something I see as something I lean in on is the gift of knowledge, the word of knowledge. And the way I tap into the word of knowledge, I'll talk about that here in a little bit when we talk about tongues. I'll pray in the spirit, and all of a sudden I'll get understanding. It'll be a word of knowledge, and then I don't even pray in the spirit. I just start praying in, in understanding, you know? That's probably the only one that I find myself being able to lean in on consistently. But all through my ministry, there's been times where these gifts have popped up. Why? Because people have needs. And Jesus just wants to touch people. If he can find vessels willing to go down the path, that's all it is, just being willing to go down the path. But it's strange. It's different. It's on you. I get that, but I don't want to ignore it, nor do I want to abuse it. I want to understand it. Amen? And so with that, I don't have to understand everything about it. I just need to know I see it in Scripture. Lord, I'm going to press into my relationship with you. And if there's a need for healing and I'm praying, rise that up. If there's a, a need for wisdom and you bring it, I'm going to recognize that's a gift from you. Not, but what will I ever tell that person? How am I going to help them? I don't know. Stop worrying about how you're going to help them and watch how the Holy Spirit is going to help them. Is that cool? And just be willing vessel. My whole ministry, that's all it's ever been. I'm serious. That's all it's ever been is me. <laughs> me never feeling like I've got enough to give. Me never feeling like I have enough understanding. Me never feeling like I have enough to pour out. Never. Yesterday I went to minister to a man who has been told that he has cancer. Like literally, like, like eating his whole body up. The whole time, God, what am I going to say? What am I, how am I going to minister to this guy? You know, and we were preaching up to a bunch of church planters in North Carolina on Friday night and Saturday. Amy and I were the keynote speakers at this event. And I'm just like, what am I going to tell these people? But God showed up and the Holy Spirit began to pour. And I just am dumb enough to open my mouth and let him do it. You know? And the whole way driving to my friend Dennis's house, God, what am I going to say to this man and his wife? They're angry and I get it. I'd be angry too. I under, Lord, and Amy and I got there. And guess what happened? God showed up and poured out word. You know how freaked out I was before? Muy freaked. That was Spanish. Just, just so. Yes. I'm sorry, I should have said it better. Muy freaked. More Spanish. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm letting you in on the, behind the veil, guys. I'm serious. My whole ministry has just been, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to think. I don't know... <laughs> He's never let me down. He's never let me down. And Jesus is seen. Amen? Nobody ever looks at Ross and Amy like, whoa, Ross and Amy. No, y'all know the truth. It's like Jesus. Shout Jesus. Jesus. That's what it's all about. Amen? Whew, that's what it's all about. And so when it comes down to it here, they're poured out by the Holy Spirit. 
as he is willing. But we just got to be willing vessels to go down that path. Amen? And so when it comes to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, let's go to verse 1. The fruit of the Spirit, or the, the gifts of the Spirit is powerful, but listen. The fruit of the Spirit balances the gifts of the Spirit with the character of God so that Jesus' power and person might be seen. I don't want just his power to be seen if I can't reveal his person. His character, amen? So the fruit of the Spirit allows Christ's character to be worked out in us, whereas the gifts allow Christ's power to be seen in us. And Jesus wants both to be seen because when they're both evident in our lives, people see Jesus. Just like his ministry was here. They get to see a touch of that. And so when it comes down to 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, what is love? It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and I, think, I think you could actually extrapolate that and say, have not peace, have not joy, have not, you know, just any of the fruit really probably could be parenthetically placed in there. I'm just being honest, you know. In other words, if I move in gifts of the Spirit, if I prophesy and I don't have love, it's like a, a, a sounding symbol. And if I prophesy uh, with powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have faith to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. Do you see that? So there's got to be a balance between gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit. I don't think it's an accident. There's nine gifts and there's nine portions to the fruit of the Spirit. I don't think that's an accident. I think it's God saying, don't you move in my power if you won't be willing to move in my character, in my person, who I am. Walk in both, amen? And so we want to be a church that's willing to reflect the character of God in the earth, but also the power of God. And 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2 challenges us to that. So then at that point, do we say, well, then I'm just going to express the character of God. I'm just going to express his, his fruit. Well, no, because watch what 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Do you see that? Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And I like how I will say, especially prophecy. And I will explain why that's a point here in a few moments. we got to keep moving. Amen. And so when it comes down to this, another, a third part of this, why do some Christian traditions believe that certain gifts are not for today? You know, how many was raised in a, a Christian tradition that believed that the gifts had passed away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of us in the room have, have come out of those traditions. And so it's called cessationism. Cessationism. And the idea of cessationists is they believe in the cessation or the act of something being brought to an end. And they believe that the doctrine of the spiritual gifts, such as speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing, ceased with the apostolic age. So when the age of the apostles, when all those apostles died and the early church has now been established, that all those gifts ceased. Okay? And in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10 is where they get this. And so it says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And the way that is defined by those that are cessationists is that when the perfect comes, we don't need those gifts anymore. And they will say this. They will say that the perfect is this, the written word of God. When this was codified then all those gifts are passed away, okay? But we believe from Scripture, because it continues to teach people how to move in this, we believe that when it comes down to it, the perfect is who? There's only one thing perfect that ever touched this planet. Yeah. And when Jesus comes, that the partial, all this other stuff will, will be passed away. 
But until then, Jesus has taught us that, man, you need my spirit to move in you, the Holy Spirit to move in you, so that you can do what I've told you to do. And I don't know about you, people had need in the first century. Guess what? People still have need. People, all these years later, 2,000 plus years later, they still need healing and deliverance and victory. They still need a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge and, and interpretation and, 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 and discernment of spirits. So we don't, we don't believe in cessationism. We would be what's called a continualist. And continuation, continuationism is just the opposite of cessationism. And it's the idea that we believe the gifts have continued into the present age. And the reason why is because we believe the present age still needs the touch of Jesus. Amen. Can I just say the present age needs the presence of God still? Amen. And so scripture, we don't believe it, it teaches that. People still have needs, and Jesus still wants to meet those needs, and that's where the rub is. Okay? He, he's seated with the Heavenly Father, but he's expecting us to move under his unction. And if we refuse that even that unction exists, then his ministry is hindered. So why would we hinder the ministry of Jesus ever? Why? Just because we can't understand something. We cannot hinder his ministry. We can't refuse to move in the things of the Spirit because it's literally hindering the ministry of Jesus in the earth. And in Scripture, it says two things. Don't quench the Holy Spirit and don't um, 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 grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, So to grieve would be to overstep... And that, in other words, to have abuse of moving in the Spirit and things that you say, well, that's just the Holy Ghost. If you don't understand it, I'm sorry. And I've seen attitudes like that. I've seen ugly attitudes. Really, is that the attitude we're supposed to have as Christians? You know? Well, you're just not spiritual enough to get it. You know? Well, how about this? How about you be kind enough to teach me? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm being cocky and arrogant. But I'm just, I'm just being honest. How about you be patient enough? Oh, that's right. Kindness and patience, those are what? Fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you'd rather move ugly in the gifts than move kind in the fruit. Shut your mouth. We need to have balance, don't we? Amen. And if somebody doesn't understand, bring them along. Don't get arrogant. So we don't want to grieve the spirit by getting arrogant and abusive with this stuff. But on the other side, we don't want to quench the spirit by saying it doesn't exist, it's not real, and, you know, it's for another day and time. It's not for us. No, we want to walk in the spirit. Amen? So we're not going to quench them, and we're not going to grieve them. And that's all we're going to do today. You're going to be mad at me, aren't you? It's, it is 1045 almost. Will you come back next week, and we'll look at the purposes of the gifts of tongues? Amen? I'm not, I, I swear it wasn't a bait and switch. <laughs> I swear. I swear. But I probably got about, about 10 minutes more to go, maybe 15 minutes more to go, and I don't want to rush it. Is it okay if I don't rush it? Can we go? All right, we're going to vote. But here, I'm being honest. We're going to vote, but you kind of got to vote with your feet, okay? So when we finish, you got to get your kids and get out of here because another group of people are coming. Amen? All right, all right. We'll bring it. So let's go. All right. All right, all right, all right. Three purposes of the gift of tongues. And we're not going to have to teach this too deep, okay? I, and I really don't have a ton of notes on this. I just, I just want to give you a little, a little basis of it. Number one, it's a, a message in tongues with the interpretation of tongues. We see that in the 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 4. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 4. We just stopped where it said to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Watch. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. 
but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in the tongues builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So when it comes to the use of tongues in a church setting, and, and we, I don't even know if we've had a message in tongues here with interpretation. I think we have through the years at some point or another. Yeah, I know we have, we have. And so when it comes to that, you have a tongue, if it doesn't have an interpretation, then it's useless, all right? It was just like, okay, that guy just said a bunch of stuff. But when a tongue goes forth and an interpretation goes forth, it says here that's equal to prophecy. It's equal to a timely word from God, okay? But that is a purpose of tongues. There is a time in the church at times where somebody may speak in tongues, and we get quiet, and you hear that tongue, and we stay quiet, and then somebody interprets that. Okay, have, have you been in a service where that's happened? Many of you, a few of you, okay. And so then that happens, okay. So that, that's the first purpose, a message in tongues with interpretation. The second is a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the idea that when the Holy Spirit fills you to overflowing, that little unruly member that you have a hard time controlling gets submitted to God, and God helps control it in that moment with spiritual language that's not your own. And it's, it's an unknown spoken word. You don't know the word yourself personally, you know. And, and I can go into a lot of things with it with Scripture um, in that there's times where that tongue goes forth and people that are present will know what that word is, but you won't. It's, it's an unknown word to the speaker. Is it something that's so overwhelming and so over-controlling that, can, that you can't stop it? No. No. The spear of the prophet is subject to the prophet, the Bible says. And so it's something that gently, it will come upon you in a beautiful way, and you can begin to pray. Now, there is times where it will come upon you, and God shifts that, and God just begins to take it into like a prayer language. And we'll talk about that in a second. But all I'm talking about right now is the sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, 1 through 4, last week we looked at those scriptures that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And after the Holy Spirit came upon them, it said that it filled them with the entire house where they were sitting. And then, verse, verse 3... And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here's what I would say to you. If you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't seek the evidence of tongues. That's not what we're seeking. God, just touch me. I just want to be filled with what you have. That's what you're seeking. Lord, fill me with everything that you have, up and overflowing. And then just begin to praise him in English. Because what does the Holy Spirit do? He points to Jesus. I'm not going to tell you weird things to say, you know, fake things to get things started. Say, say the alphabet backwards. Good Lord, come on, you know. Just begin to have a humble heart before him as you seek him in your prayer time at home. If there's opportunity here in worship, seek him. God, if you want to do it right now. If you're in the, I heard of a man who didn't believe in this. And he was in his, his um, bathroom. He was a Baptist pastor. And he was there in a stall. And his board member was in the stall beside him. And all of a sudden, he's just, God, my wife has received this. I know, I believe that she's not crazy. I know this is real. If this is for me, give it to me. And right there in the stall, he just started to over, get overwhelmed by the Spirit. And he began to just let himself pray. And he's like, because he has a board member sitting beside him, you know. <laughs> you know, that's, just, that's crazy. But it was just one of those things where he, he just was open to the Spirit. Whatever you have for me, Lord, whenever, you know. And so I would say just be open to it. And then I gave you some scriptures in your app, okay. I wasn't going to preach these scriptures today. But I can give you three more scriptures in the book of Acts where people were touched by the power of the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues, okay. Three other places. And so go to your app, pull up the notes for today's sermon, and you will find those three other locations. Go study it. 
you know? I think four locations in the book of Acts is pretty good amount of, 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 of information to create a doctrine, amen, or to create a truth. And so we believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit will touch you, and then we can begin to speak in tongues, okay? And so it's there. And then the third one, this is probably the most important thing to me. I'll just be honest, as far as tongues is concerned, number three or of 14, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. That's the prayer language of tongues. There's something about in your prayer life, just praying in the Spirit, it builds you up. Look at verse 13 through 19. It goes on in 14, chapter 14. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For I pray in a tongue, but my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? Now, I love this. This is the real model of my prayer life. I pray with my spirit, but I pray with my mind also. I sing praises with my spirit, but I sing with my mind also. In other words, that tongue is a, a way to pray and connect with God supernaturally, but don't get lazy. There's Pentecostals that will just pray hours and hours in tongues. No, pray with understanding too. He'll give you understanding. Begin to pray understanding as well. Tongues, interpretation, by yourself. That's a, it's a prayer. It's a back and forth prayer language. Amen? It goes on and says, um, Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he doesn't know what you're saying? This is one of the reasons why here at the church, we, people will pray kind of in tongues while we're worshiping kind of to themselves and to God a little. But you don't hear me ever usually saying, everybody right now, let's all just lift up our voice in, in tongues. Come on. You know, and churches do that. I've, and I've done it. I've said it before when I was young. But as I started reading scripture, I started seeing, well, that's not what it says to do. You know, it, it, that Thanksgiving isn't understood by people, you know. For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person's not being built up. Again, this is all these gifts are for the common good, amen? I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. That's what Paul said. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Is that what Paul said? Yeah. So in a church setting, you'll see us speak the prophetic more than tongues and interpretation. In the church setting, when we pray for you at the altars, you're not going to hear us praying over you real loud in tongues, you know, because Paul said he'd rather you speak, you know, words of understanding, five words, than 10,000 words of understanding. But listen, that prayer language of tongues, I tell people all the time, you build yourself up while you're alone so that you can move in power when you're with people. You pray in tongues to him and get filled up so that now when you're with people, you can pray in English that timely word. Does that make sense? You can move in healing. You can, whatever, discernment, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. But that time of prayer alone. But Pastor Russ, I've never experienced that before. You know, that's what I'm saying. Seek him in your private life. God touch me. Or in a church service, at an altar. Whatever, just in the next couple weeks when we have altar time. Man, come up. Hey, pray for me. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want this touch, you know. I want to be able to pray in the Spirit. I want that, God. Now, is that for everyone? The gift of tongues? Probably not. That message of tongues in a church service? I think maybe two or three times in my whole life have I ever done that. It's not a gift I move in much, you know? So, yeah, that kind of gift, no. But I do believe that prayer life for the believer, I think every one of us can get that. I think every, God wants every one of us to have that. I really do. And we'll teach more about that as we move forward. I know this is kind of, for many of you, the first introduction to this, all right? The final thing, go down the path of the Holy Spirit and watch God work his gifts through you as he pleases. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37, and we'll close. 
If anyone thinks that he's a prophet or is spiritual, he should acknowledge the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. In other words, all y'all that think you have it figured out, listen to what I've been saying. You know, find some, some direction and understanding. Chapter 12 says the gifts are available. Chapter 14 shows you the operation of those gifts. Chapter 13, right smack in the middle, says if you don't have my fruit, it's all a waste anyhow. It's good balance. And Paul's just closing out this little section of his writing. And then he says, if anyone does not recognize this, he's not recognized. So my brothers earnestly seek and desire to prophesy and do not forbid seeking in tongues, speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. So as a church, as we begin to understand and move in these things more, I commit to you that we want to be a house that will move in decency and order. Amen? Amen? But also on the other side, I don't want to ignore it. I don't want to abuse it either. God, I want you to be able to move your gifts in us. Amen? Can we pray? Can we just, this is a good posture for receiving. Just, Father, right now, we just, we open our hands to you to receive whatever you have. For your glory, that Jesus might be seen, not that the manifestations would be seen, but that in it you would be known. And so, Lord, each of us in this room, those that have already moved in this gift and even uses a prayer language, thank you, Lord, for that. For those that have a hunger and a desire for it, Lord, would you begin to, to touch their heart, Lord, in the coming weeks, and just do a mighty work in them as you begin to pour that into them and they begin to pour back to you in, in, a, in, in an unusual way, but in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.